Welcome to Chicagoland Parenting Stories. I am your host, Lisa Zimmerman. Let's get started with today's parenting story. Welcome back to Chicagoland Parenting Stories. Today, our guest is Dr. Michelle Dogerty. She is the owner of Lifetime Health and Wellness. She is a certified pediatric and prenatal chiropractor. This is episode 15, and we are recording on July 21st, 2023. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, thanks for having me, Lisa. No problem. Would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself and your children by name and age? You don't have to do the name if you don't want to. Oh, that's all good. Um, so yeah, Dr. Michelle Doherty, and I have a nine-year-old boy. His name is Kevin. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> One and done, huh? One and done. All right. Uh, if you had to describe your parenting style, what would it be? That that's a tough one because I know there's a lot of trends and things, and I feel like it is ever evolving. It's very fluid, um, especially since mine's only nine, and you know, getting out of the toddler stage, you're doing one thing, but it's more. I've been more aware of myself. So monkey see, monkey do. I know that my kid's gonna feed off of my energy. I I try to always explain the why, you know, especially if uh, we're not gonna be doing certain things. He's having a full understanding. So it's a little bit different than, you know, how I was brought up, but I want to encourage independence, um, letting him know he can lean on us. We try to foster open communication, you know, dinner together. Um, That's so important because we're so far away from family. So we have our little unit and then, you know, we have our chosen family, you know, our friends in the area. So I would say the style is it's been very adaptable because it's needed to be. And I feel like you can read everything you want on parenting, but until you're there and, you know, in the face of that personality in front of you, Mm -hmm. you have to make those changes. For sure. I always say that like you basically, you become the parent your child needs. So, you know, if you have a child with special needs or allergies, you become that parent as opposed to the parent you thought you might be. Absolutely. And even if there's no issues, you still become the parent that they need because it is all about the personality and, you know, also like the combination of the two, you know, Mm -hmm. if you have, if you're an introvert and you have an extroverted child, then you need to become the parent for an extroverted child, which is very hard and vice versa. Yes. (laughs) Without disclosing your age, which generation are you a part of? I I had to, I had to actually look this one up because I was like, I don't even know where I (laughs) am. Um, I would say I'm in between Gen X and millennial on the Gen X side. Okay. The reason why I ask is because there are big differences between the generations. And I just think it's a fun thing to explore. You know, it's just, there's a lot going on there. And then there's a different generation of who parented you, which is the next question. How would you describe how you were parented? And is that similar to, as you said before, not similar to how you parent now? Yeah. Um, I, I grew up in a more, it was a strict household. Um, I was a military brat. Uh, so I grew up overseas and had a lot of great experiences. I have two immigrant parents. So I know that a lot of the listeners can probably relate. Um, so yeah, it was just more of a strict household. There was no, no BS happening. I mean, there was still fun and love and all of those things. And there are certain things I was saying, you know, when it's my turn to do this one day, I want to explain the why, not just no, or this is what it's going to be. And do you accept it and move on? And 
um, you know, I did, you know, I followed suit, you know, and again, each kid is different. So I would say, you know, what worked for me maybe didn't work for my brother and, and, you know, vice versa. So I find that if I feel stressed and overwhelmed, I feel like we default to the path of least resistance and you go back to what you know, and you're like, oh my gosh, I just, you know, I just did what I didn't want to do. Um, but you learn, you move on, you know, you apologize to your kid, you know, you want them to know you're on this journey together. So I would say that that's how I grew up. And I took the positives from that and applied it, but also trying to be more mindful of what I want to do for this little personality. Right. For sure. I mean, the modeling piece is so important. And that's one of the things that like you kind of learn with time is like, oh, wait, they're really watching me. Oh, they're listening all Absolutely. the time. <laughs> Like Absolutely. there are no secret conversations unless they're literally not in the house, <laughs> Yes, you know? And so then you really realize that, uh, where did your parents immigrate from? So my dad's from Italy and my mom is from Peru. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then you said you grew up overseas. Where was that? Uh, Germany and Italy. Oh my gosh. So my parents met in an English class in the States and then, <laughs> um, he joined the military and then we were stationed overseas and he was trying really hard to get stationed back in Italy where we still have family. And that was his last tour. So that's where huh. I ended high school. Oh, wow. That's pretty amazing. That's so fun. <laughs> For those that don't understand how you help new families, can you describe the work that you do? Yeah. I mean, in short, the best way that I have found to describe chiropractic and most notably for kids, I mean, we enhance the body's ability to adapt. Uh, your nervous system is the main runner of all systems. We live our whole lives through our nervous system. And we know that when we're exploring um, a new family and we're talking about prenatal history, uh, labor and delivery, and those first couple of years of life, or if they're coming in as an infant and what the challenges are, we don't... Um, we don't really talk so much about what happened during the prenatal period, the preconception period also. So we do support throughout that entire time. So we know that if we have a calmer, more balanced nervous system, our hormones are working better. We're sleeping better. Um, everything is working better. So it's easier to get pregnant. It's We have a smoother uh, pregnancy throughout all the different trimesters. And of course, when we get to that fourth trimester after baby is here, man, does it feel like the support almost goes out the window and we need lactation consultants. We need postpartum doulas. We need chiropractors. You know, we need our village, our tribe. So I would say when we can use technology, I know we we're chatting a little bit about Gen Xers and, you know, millennials and so on. So we use technology in our office to look at the integrity of how that nervous system is operating but also how it's currently adapting, which is super important because if we are stuck in that fight or flight mode and we have that switched on, we're on the gas pedal, we're not going to be pooping well. We're not going to be eating, swallowing well. You know, we're not going to be sleeping well, whether it's daytime or nighttime. So we know we've got to pump those brakes. So we use very specific neurotonal based chiropractic care. Um, we train every single week. I've been doing this for, geez, 16 years, and I'm always learning. And if there's anything that the pandemic has taught us is 
children need and families need their tribe more now than they ever have because a lot of these stress patterns have imprinted and it takes some unwinding and it takes time and repetition to unwind. So that is the biggest thing. We know if we can get to these kids early, they're going to adapt so much better. And what do we want as parents? We want healthy, happy children. We Mm -hmm. want them to grow up to you know, strong, adaptable, resilient adults. This is kind of off topic, but I've been thinking about this lately. Do you feel like, yes, we went through the pandemic. It was crazy. Everybody was affected by it. And some people have been better, I feel like, at um, re-emerging and re-engaging. But I also feel like there is quite a bit of isolation out there, especially with new parents. Do you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. In the earlier stages of the pandemic, when you couldn't have more than one person, you know, in the room where you're giving birth, holy cow. And then if, uh, you know, if your family is not even in the area, mm-hmm. um, that that's tough and isolating and then not being able to get together with these people and, you know, exchange so- stories and doing these different things. And then you have these young kids One of the things that was so heartbreaking was I would be taking care of babies since we're talking weeks old. And when the mask mandate got lifted and these kids are almost a year old and they saw my face for the first time, they just were like, you know, because all they've ever seen was mom and dad eyes. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not what you expected. (laughs) So. Especially the babies Uh, that give you the wrinkled face, like, whoa. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The eyebrows, all of it. So it's it's tough because these littles, they need to see other littles. They need to interact. Um, And yes, it's good to have our parents, but they they need more. And it doesn't matter what stage um, of schooling or, or whatnot that you were in. Everyone was so affected in so many ways. And I feel like, especially when the hormones start kicking in and then, you know, everything was remote and so on. You know, these, these kids have had to really overcome some things, not only what's going on in their own bodies, but, you know, social, emotionally. And for some kids, they, they've been able to adapt and take it in stride and, and others have had other, you know, bigger challenges with it. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting because like the parent and the baby is like a lock and key, right? So if something's going on with one, the other one is sensing it. And I just remember it being so hard in like later 2020, like when we were back in the field, you know, like back in homes and the summer and in the fall where like the clients couldn't trust their parents to, Mm. to follow guidelines and therefore make them feel safe to come visit, you know, do these things. So it, it was like so shocking to see how quickly they had to adapt to not only being a parent in the physical sense, but also like the emotional sense of having to say to your own parent, well, I can't even trust you to do what you're supposed to do. Therefore, you can't come see my baby. And then, you know, the flip side of that being then the grandparent not being able to have the proper bond. And it was like right. absolutely heartbreaking. I mean, it was like, you know, there were the things with like everybody being alone in the room and only one parent and, you know, fathers, partners, husbands being just completely left out of the complete everything, you know, people having ultrasounds and NSTs without their partner there. I mean, even to 2022, there were places in Chicago where I lived at the time where they still wouldn't allow 
the partner or a second parent to come in. So you have somebody at 39 weeks in her pregnancy, they're doing NSTs because they're worried about the baby and she's literally going through that alone. And so that's got to have long-term ramifications and that stress brought into the relationship from the beginning is just Absolutely. heartbreaking. I feel like we regressed a lot. Um, Cause one thing that we do know about first, second, third trimester is the first half of pregnancy that fetus is feeding off of mom's stress hormones in the second half, right at about 22 weeks or so. That's when the fetus starts to make their own cortisol and stress hormone. And then mom is feeding off of theirs in the third try. Hmm. So I did not know that that's fantastic bond. Yes. And this is why we are seeing fight or flight gas pedal babies, moms who are having a tougher time, you know, with anxiety and depression and so on, because there, we know that the nerves that fire together, wire together, and you figure, you know, how long you're pregnant, it's these, these patterns, they start to get locked in. Yeah, that is really shocking too. Cause I, I just made me think of, you know, the studies that they've done on Jewish families that, you know, were affected by the Holocaust and the amount of stress that has gone now into a third generation from that, because you're imprinting <laughs> at it. the time that you are pregnant. And if you are having a female, you, she's actually has her eggs that are being developed at the same time. And so it just makes me think like, wow, I wonder what that is going to look like in the future. Um, because there was just so many different variations within the pandemic time. And then, you know, how long those effects will last afterwards. What is your favorite thing about the work that you do? Oh, I love, um, I love giving families hope and helping them see what's possible on the other side. When you're sleep deprived, stressed out, you know, not eating right, doing the self-care, you can't see more than a foot in front of you and you feel like you're just, just wallowing. So for me, I would say it's that initial, like when we start to put the pieces of the puzzle together so they can see, you know, where, how things kind of came to be, but focusing on, okay, if we can work together and unwind some of this stuff, holy cow what is possible at the end. And it could be something as simple as I just want to be able to take my kid to the grocery store. You know, I just want to be able to, um, you know, sleep more than, you know, 1.1 hour at night or whatever it is. And so we put together a plan in place. They're feeling like they're guided. And so what I really love is we set out to do something together and then it's, it is possible. We see so many, um, so many families feeling like they kind of come out of their, their funk, so to speak. And, um, you know, and they feel like they're really listened to. And I think that's so important because over time, it, it's so easy to mute that sixth sense that you have, and we need to be listening to that more. And so we really encourage our parents, especially to listen to that. And to know that, yeah, there's a way where we can track progress, even if it's minor. I mean, we can have babies that are maybe taking cat naps 15 minutes at a time, and then they go 30 minutes. Like you doubled that. That's a big deal. Yes, Mm -hmm. you're still sleep deprived, but these little wins, these are huge neurological milestones. So we want to encourage them. We want to help them see that and just to hang on and trust, trust that baby's innate intelligence, trust themselves because it's so easy to lose that when you're stressed. 
It is. And it's, and if you really didn't have much out of the gate, it's going to be even harder, whether it's because of your own pressure on yourself or other people putting pressure on you or just the larger pressure of it all. What is the biggest challenge with the work you do? That's a, yeah, that's, that's kind of loaded in the sense that I think the biggest challenge is when we finally meet face to face with the family and they had no idea that this could help them. And then they beat themselves up because they feel like they wasted so much time. Oh yeah. And trying to unpack that and letting them know we got to look forward. You know, we're here together now. We love working with other providers. We know that if your brain and nervous system are communicating properly, these other therapies that you may need, they work so much better because mm-hmm. if you start to lay that foundation, it just works better. So we'll hear a lot of, you know, I wish I would have known, or I would have, you know, seen you when I was pregnant or I, you know, we would have done this or that, but you don't know what you don't know sometimes. So I think the biggest challenge is, you know, is compared to let's say big pharma, for example, like we're, we're just not out there as much as we need to be and should be. And I feel like it, 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 truly takes a village. And so I wish more people knew about non-invasive things that work with the body to help the body. And the first two years of life are so critical. There's so many things that are happening. All these neurons are firing and wiring. And if you can help guide that and undo some of the the stress patterns that have been laid down from the get-go, we just have better, more positive outcomes. So I I think the biggest challenge is just the fact that not as many people know about, you know, what we do and then having them feel the guilt, but then, you know, that's why we're doing this together. Yeah. I find that when I mention chiropractic care for the infant to baby, sometimes I have the like the deer in headlights face of like, wait, are they going to crack their neck? And I'm like, oh no, oh yeah, (laughs) they're not going to do that at all. (laughs) But like, that's what they're idea is of it. And it's, it's hard sometimes to translate. No, it's extremely gentle. Oh no, no, no. You're going to see your baby's going to be so happy afterwards. It's going to be like another child, you know, and then hopefully that kind of gives them the impetus to at least give it a try. And then there's some people that are just completely uncomfortable with it. And you just have to kind of like, be like, okay, well maybe you could use it. (laughs) Like, let's see if that helps. Absolutely. Yeah. We know that if, if there's challenges going on with the infant, uh, you better believe those parents, the whole family dynamic is in a stress state. And so that's why we do see families. It's like the families that get adjusted together, they just, they go through life with more ease and they're just happier and enjoying the things that they should, instead of just feeling like, okay, we're rushing to this or that. And they're really, this is a part of their own self-care if parents would also engage in that. But as you know, as a parent, you know, we would go to the ends of the earth, you know, to do anything and everything for our kid. Meanwhile, we may go on the back burner and that's not okay either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's the constant struggle and juggle, right? It's just, it's never ending. Did you always want to be a parent? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, and I think part of it too was I had um, I had challenges early on from like a puberty standpoint, you know, from just getting my first cycle to having um, 
a couple family members who were not able to have children. And so, you know, going through a bunch of testing and things as, you know, a young teen and being told that there is a good chance this would never happen made oh, me wow. want to do it even more. And I said, I'm going to break this cycle. You know, I don't, I don't accept that, you know, I have all the parts. So how, how, how can we connect better? And I think that's what led me down to the path of the field that I've been, but I said some way, shape or form it's going to happen. And so, um, utilizing everything that I've learned and the best of Western medicine and, um, holistic it, you know, yeah, there was a point in time where I was like, yeah, maybe it's not in the cards. Um, I take care of enough kids where I feel like they are my, my children. So I, you know, I take the work obviously very seriously. And, um, so when it was, when it was possible, you know, not losing that hope, it was like, okay, I feel like I set out to what I was supposed to do in life and it's been amazing. And I want to continue to help people realize, um, that anything is possible, anything and everything is possible. Hmm. At what age of your child do you think you really start parenting your child? I know it's a hard one. Yeah. Uh, as they start communicating with you, I mean, I, I still remember, um, as my son got his first tooth, he was seven months old. And I remember the first time, you know, he bit me and I was warned of this and they, you know, your first instinct is like to push them away from you. And instead you're supposed to kind of almost do the opposite. Mm -hmm. So a couple times of doing that just twice, he learned. So it's like parent, as soon as they can kind of communicate with you, whether it's through your eyes or um, verbally, I mean, it kind of starts there. You need to lead by example. You need to set the expectation and the follow through. So I feel like you can do that at different stages and they'll get it. Yes, for sure. I remember a pediatrician explaining to me how to do that with the biting thing. And I was like, what? You're going to choke? You're basically suffocating the baby. And she's like, no, no, no. <laughs> she's like, they want to breathe. They have the will to live. And so sometimes yeah. I'll even say to people where they're like, can they breathe? And I'm like, don't worry, your baby has a will to live. They will be fine. Yes. They will move their yeah. head on their own. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so back to the pandemic, I'm assuming your son was in kindergarten when that all he went down? rounding out kindergarten. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. Okay. So how did that affect your parenting? Well, my, between myself and my husband, he was the more flexible one. So, um, finishing out kindergarten and then, you know, a good chunk of first grade, he was the one monitoring and the you know, classroom Google meets. Oh my gosh. <laughs> These poor kids, you know, they're supposed to be learning how to read and write. Um, so we oh, knew yeah. at that point we were, we were not meant to school our child, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he, um, he thrives on being in a social environment and needs his people, um, just like many of us do. So I feel like while I wasn't doing a lot of the, the schooling part, I just knew, you know, seeing what I would see in the office, like I just, we spent more time together, um, doing things together. So exploring forest preserves, you know, when no one was around, um, you know, going to a playground, as long as it didn't have tape over it, where you weren't allowed to go on. So we just did more exploring. We turned it into an opportunity, an adventure. We never wanted him at his age and his capacity to understand really what was going on to ever feel fear. 
and be afraid. Mm. I was like, I refuse to have that be the case. Um, that must've been hard to, that's a fine line to walk because it was a very uncertain time. It was, it was. And, you know, and I didn't know what was going to happen, you know, with any of it, with my business, with all of this, but we just said, we need to make sure that we as a family unit that we're good. Mm-hmm. So we just still need to live life, you know, according to the guidelines and everything going on, but we still need to be out there. We're not going to just, you know, again, wallow because we know he's looking and listening to. So we needed to step up. Right. I remember, um, right about the time that we went into lockdown, my son and I had been listening to Harry Potter and we were just starting book seven. So we had a lot of time in the car. We would listen to it whenever we could. And we'd been doing this forever. And so we started taking these long drives from Chicago up to Lake County to go to forest preserves there and go biking. And it's funny because this summer he was like, I really want to go up to go biking and go up to hidden Lake. And it was funny because, or no, I'm sorry. It's Hastings Lake. I want to go up to Hastings Lake. And it was funny because we were listening to another book at the time. He's like, and now we have time to do that. And it, and it made me think like, wow, like, you know, I remember feeling so uncertain and not even being able to concentrate on the book the whole time. Cause it would be like an hour or so drive up there, hour or so drive yeah. back. But he really relished that time. And it was mm-hmm. like, he's just looking out the window and there was nobody around. And I remember it'd be like, you know, somebody would be like, we'd be trying to take a picture and, oh, I'll take a picture of you. Oh, I don't know if I can touch your phone. And, you know, like all the weird things yeah. that people would say, <laughs> you know, but like for him, it was like, he just, it's kind of like his happy place. Like he just remembered that being, you know, a very happy time. So it, that's a huge thing. And we still do that. Even going to summer camp, you know, it's a 20 minute drive, but we're, we're actually listening to Harry Potter now too. So oh, which book are you on? Um, we are on five. Oh, that's a great one Order too. Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, so, that's a great yeah, we're one. We're doing that. But yeah, um, we made sure also during the pandemic, we would drive to some national parks, you know, so we were kind mm-hmm. of on our own, but looking at the beauty that our land has and, you know, not so much focusing on the people we couldn't see, just like, mm-hmm. let's explore and just do it together. Yeah, that sounds great. What is your most embarrassing parenting moment? I don't get embarrassed easily, but I, I was, that's, um, I know when I was on maternity leave, cause I, I took eight weeks off and my husband was helping with parts of the practice and we were on, um, a call, a work call and we were on speaker, you know, I'm holding my kid, just fed him, all is good, bouncing him around. And then all of a sudden blow out, out of the diaper, all over my arms, dripping on the floor. The dog is there. And I literally yell, oh, four letter <laughs> word, literally. <laughs> so, And I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Just, but it's, you know, my work tried, you know, they, yes, exactly. You know, stuff happens, right? So, <laughs> it does. It happens it does. all the time, <laughs> especially with babies. Times, but I was more concerned about the dog getting to it. Exactly. That's what I would be like too, is trying to like keep the dog away and everything. (laughs) Well, and it's so funny because I, you know, I'll joke around with people and be like, they're like, oh, he had a blowout the other day. And I'm like, oh, that's how you find out that you have to go up to the next size of diapers. (laughs) And they they look at me like, are you kidding? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Like Sometimes that's just the way you're like, oh, this name's a little snug. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It is time to change. If you had friendships when your son was a baby, how important are those to you now? And do you keep in touch? 
Um, yeah. Again, since my family is not in the area, uh, friendships are so important. And so I had taken a Bradley birthing class and with a few other couples, and I do still keep in touch with, uh, two of them in particular. And so it's great because, you know, you get to follow these kids as they're growing up and then, you know, they'll re the kids will reconnect, even if they don't quite remember, they just, they just kind of do their thing and we're swapping stories, you know, stuff that's worked, not worked. Um, so I think that's been important because one of the mom groups that I belong to, I was, I had my kid later in life. So many of them that are around my age, their kids are already almost graduating high school. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you don't, it's not the same connection. So I look at those bonds as more, that's for me, (laughs) you know, these moms are for me. I have friends where it's like the kids are around the same age, but especially those few that we were going through this together and what a blessing of an experience that it was just for me, because I didn't think it would happen. It um, it's helpful. It, it's helpful to know that you're not alone and, you know, I'm great at what I do and I, I know a lot about it, but I'm like, gosh, do I learn so much from people who've done it before me and the people who are in the trenches with me? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I know it's funny. I always like joke around that, you know, Gen X is, was the beginning of something big because when I went to my 20 year high school reunion, I had a four month old and there were people there that had kids going into college. And we like (laughs) had this complete span of being at totally different times. And, you know, and I wasn't just like, well, it's like either you enjoy your twenties or you enjoy your forties. Like, you know, you'll get to have more fun in your forties and be able to have more freedom. I had more freedom in my twenties and that's just how it went. Um, But it is pretty funny that, you know, and then it also correlates to then, how much we have to parent our parents now and we're taking care of our parents and what that looks like, which, you know, mm-hmm. is very challenging and a whole nother podcast on its own. Right. What do you see as the biggest trend in parenting right now? Uh, so many, right. So many trends that are happening. Um, <laughs> I had a guest the other day say, I think trends are a trend. <laughs> yeah. And I was laughing about it. I was going to say, yeah, that I would agree with that. Um, I would say, I think it's just the better for better or worse, the overscheduling, you know, I feel like we feel like we have to fill up every single minute of the day. Um, again, we want to give our kids the best or what we didn't have and so on, but, um, they don't need to be in every sport. They don't need to have their whole social calendar, like everything accounted for. So that's something that, you know, when we, when we're working with families and kids and, you know, they're starting to show symptoms of anxiety that it could present as stomach pain, you know, and mm-hmm. they're like, why does my kid always have a stomach ache? And it's like, well, okay. Are they getting enough rest? Um, what's happening? So I think the trend of just having to be part of every like travel team and this and that it's, we have to proceed with caution, you know, and making sure that our kids are still very much all in and this is what they want to do, but we're also the parent and sometimes we can read our kids and sometimes they need a break. Mm -hmm. So I would say, yeah, that trend, it's great to get them involved and introduced to new things. But when that becomes like almost like the full-time job, then it's like, they need to be able to be kids too. Yeah. Yeah. That is really tricky. And it's funny because I've had people 
you know, answer that similarly too. And I feel like, God, I don't know, is it as bad as it was before the pandemic, but maybe it is like in this idea of like making up for, I was just thinking that, yeah, you know, because I thought before the pandemic for sure, you know, but then everybody kind of slowed down for a minute, caught their breath, but then, yeah, maybe people feel like if there were holes that need to be made up for, and we lost a year or two there, they're actually trying harder. What has your child taught you the most about being a parent? Oh, uh, it's taught me aside from patience, which I'm sure you hear that a lot, you know, um, patience is the biggest thing because I operate a lot with my gut, you know, and sometimes we'll develop the thoughts later, you know, and I want Mm -hmm. to encourage, you know, my husband is more analytical in nature. So we, we do balance each other out. So I want my kid to you know, obviously use critical thinking, but also trust his gut too. So I feel like it's taught me patience. It's also taught me the importance of my own self-care because if I'm in a good spot, I'm going to be a better mom to him, a better wife, a better everything Mm -hmm. to the people that matter to me. Mm. So they know about my non-negotiables. I play tennis. That's my thing. And so it's on our family shared calendar. They know when I'm going, you know, and it's the thing that brings me joy. And then, you know, of course we're, we're doing things together, but that's, that I would say is a big one is the importance of sticking with and being consistent with my own self-care. Mm. And that is hard. It is. It really is. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I guess after nine years of practice, you've had enough time to try to solidify that schedule with your family and, you know, make that a priority, but it is really hard. Cause as you go through the different stages and phases, like if they are involved in sports, you know, then you have to at least make sure the other person's available for driving duty. Right. And right. to be at the game, right. And to support of them. So for our final question, what is your biggest parenting advice to share with new parents? I would say Number one, for sure, is trust your mama gut, trust your daddy gut, um, find your tribe. And a big one is don't accept, oh, they'll grow out of it. Mm. This is a big one because uh, what we'll see that'll start off as colic, you know, sometimes we'll have providers say, oh, you know, that'll be, that'll resolve itself within, you know, a few months. Um, you don't have to worry about it. They'll grow out of it. That can turn into, okay, now we have plumbing issues up top. So ears, nose, and throat not draining properly. And they can have recurring either ear infections and things of that nature. Um, and so then we start having more and more interventions and it starts breaking down that gut, um, but they'll grow out of it. That in turn um, can turn into focus issues in school years. Hmm. Because what we have found is when you have an underlying neurological stress pattern, you don't grow out of it. You just grow into other things. Your body's going to fight like crazy to help you and will compensate. But sometimes we just need a little bit of guidance, a little nudge. So, um, and moms and dads know this too. They know, they know when something is not quite right, but they just don't know what, what to do. Hmm. So I would say, trust your gut, don't accept, you know, certain things and, uh, find your tribe, surround yourself with people that will support you, lift you up and then find your team 
Yeah. When you said breaking down the gut, do you mean because like they are, go through so many courses of antibiotics yeah, in order be, to, because mm-hmm. of these ear infections? Right. Or just, yeah, sometimes it's, it's easier to just give antibiotics, you know, for certain things, um, you know, with ear infections, many of them are viral, you know, so they may not even respond. And, um, but then it's like, okay, if we do this, then we got to make sure we're taking probiotics to counterbalance, uh, mm-hmm. not at the same time, but you got to rebuild that gut as well. And, um, gut health and digestion, that's part of your parasympathetic nervous system. That's the calming side of the nervous system. Most of us are on the opposite side switched on. Mm-hmm. So, um, we know that things just continue to morph and go down a path until you do a pattern interrupt. So again, when you can help and nurture early on, oftentimes it doesn't need to lead to some of these other challenges that we see on a daily basis. Hmm. Well, that is definitely food for thought. Well, we are out of time. Thank you for joining us for episode 15 of Chicago and Parenting Stories. And thank you to our guest, Michelle Dogerty of Lifetime Health and Wellness. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks, Lisa.